Welcome to the Single Parent Podcast. Whether you've been a single parent for a while now or have just started on your journey, the Single Parent Podcast is a safe place for single parents to get some great information and resources, hear the stories of fellow single parents, and connect with a strong and supportive community. We want to help you go from surviving to thriving. Welcome back to the Single Parent Podcast. Today, we're continuing on with part two of Dan's story. How are you finding it now, now that you've been, um, you know, separated for a little while? Because you've been separated for, what, two years now? Yeah, this September will be three years. Three years. So so in, in that time frame, like how, because you've gone on quite a bit of a journey since, yeah. since the separation. So how you are now, how are things with you and your ex? Like, are you, are you finding you are dealing with things differently? Obviously, you deal with things differently because yeah. you're not together anymore. Yeah. But are, are you finding that you're having gone through self-discovery are you able to handle things differently are you more confident in handling things because you said you were like no conflict avoid conflict avoid conflict at at all cost um for a while there like because my anxiety was so high i i pretty much told my ex it's just like you know what we can't talk period not by phone not by you know, video chat, not in person. Okay, if we want to communicate, only text, only email. Now, there's a couple of reasons I decided to do that. One was the sound of her voice just set me off. And, and that kind of still does. Um, I'm not going to lie. And I still much prefer talking only via text and only via email. I still prefer that because it's so much easier for me to to deal with my own emotions but also that i can read something i can process it and then i can respond to it right if you're talking in a regular conversation and your anxiety spikes you can't process things like it is just it just doesn't work it gets very cloudy yeah it gets very very cloudy and then all of a sudden i just shut down and and, and that's it so me and my ex ultimately we we don't see each other uh, we don't talk in person. Um, very seldomly do we communicate as a general whole. Um, and I like it that way. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I do not enjoy texting or emailing. And the reason being is I can't read your tone. And sometimes yeah. it comes across to me like, oh, well, that was sort of rude. But was he trying to be rude? I don't think he was. And then I question what I said. And then it just gets misconstrued. Yeah. So for some people, I can see I like the idea of being able to process something first that you were saying. But for me, I I hate I hate when they text me. I'm like, no, just give me a call. And please, let's talk this through like human beings. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I totally understand what you're saying there. My issue was always because every time I would talk to her, the tone I always felt, and I'm saying I always felt, I'm not saying that it was always her that she spoke this way, but I always felt as if she was talking down to me. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense that you'd only want to text then. Right. Right. So that's the tone that I always felt. And it's very difficult when you're having a conversation with somebody when you feel as if somebody's talking down to you. Like, you, you, you just feel as if it's just like, you don't respect me. Why are we having this conversation? I do have a brain in my head. Yeah. Thank you very much. I can participate as an adult in this conversation. Yeah. Because yeah. I've, I've experienced that myself. Yeah. And it's really not not a nice feeling at all. No, it's really not. Um so that's one of the reasons I always like having text. And the other thing is, is what's nice about text and email is if we have, like, she's got an amazing memory. I don't. Right? So you can always have that recall where it's just like, hey, you know, we said this in the text and you can always go back. Right? If there's a change in the visitation, if we switch things up, whatever. I mean, um, it makes it that I can go back and go, okay, we said that we were going to switch this day and this day from this and that. And, and like having that written down 
is so critical for me um, because like she has an amazing memory she can just remember it and it's just like whatever I mean when we used to still talk I used to always tell her he says you need to send this to me in a text or an email she never would which drove me bonkers um, well, because then you kind of feel like you're crazy. It's like, well, that's not how I remember it. Yeah. But clearly, like, you have the better memory. Yeah. Right? And that's because as a fellow not-so-great memory person, <laughs> it is so frustrating because, yeah, like, you want to make sure you understand what's going on and that you, you know, that written mm-hmm. record is, is so important. And it's not like you're trying to, like, gather evidence or anything like that. No. It's so that, like you said, like, you can go back and think, well, no, this is what we discussed. And you know that it's written down, we both agreed on it, and we're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's it's definitely one of those things. That's why I really like the written down, right, um, for that reference all the time, right? Um, and, and I find it works so much better. And, and if you want to go to the evidence side as well, there is that as well, where it's, you know, my divorce is not finalized. There's a lot of stuff on that end too, where it's just like. Um, Have you started divorce proceedings already, or not We're just yet? getting started. Wow. We're just getting started. That's a long time. Well, well actually, maybe mine just happened like really fast. Well, it depends yeah. on how you do it, right? Yeah, I think it, a lot of people wait, and that's just the way things go sometimes yeah well it it all depends on how you go through it i mean it's been you know we're coming close to three years now um but like initially i wanted to go through mediation right she didn't she had her lawyer as far as i can tell she had her lawyer all buttoned up and everything else before she kicked me out of the house right because it was like the day i get moved out the bank's accounts are all changed. Um, all That's the crazy. emails, everything was changed. Like practically the day, you know, a couple of weeks later, the locks got changed on the house, and and wow. like it was very, very, very quick. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure she took me off of Facebook right away. Um, I didn't notice until months later when I tried to send her a picture of the kids together I thought it was a nice thing it was just like hey you know the picture of the kids it's very cute I wanted to send it to you maybe it'd make you smile whatever trying to be nice Um, and that's when I noticed that she actually took me off of Facebook and I was like huh okay sure (laughs) I'm not a Facebook stalker obviously because it took months your social media game is lacking down yeah well my social media game is almost non-existent (laughs) (laughs) and that's okay too that is totally okay yes right yeah so so in the methods of communication that that you have now then because you you've not well, I guess limited is probably the best word. To yeah, so, so the text and emails and that. Do you find that you know trying to get the proceedings started does it make it easier or more difficult to communicate that way with getting things going? Like, have you found this the, getting this process going has it been difficult with communication? Um, I find. Like on the divorce front, we don't talk about that like hardly at all. It's literally, yeah, it's literally her lawyer and, and I fired my lawyer. I hired a a legal assistant instead of my lawyer to help me fill out the forms and stuff. I'm essentially self-representing because I can't afford a lawyer. That's expensive. Like I, I dropped thousands of dollars for over two years for nothing. Like they did absolutely nothing in two years and it was like you know, how many thousands of dollars I got just wasted for absolutely just nothing happening. So was it a retainer that you were paying? Well, I paid the retainer. Right. And then after the retainer was gone, I look at what was accomplished and I was just like, you guys have done nothing. And I fired him. Mm. Right. Right. Um, so I know on my end, my cost was in all aspects, not unreasonable. I mean, I spent $3,000 on a lawyer. Right. Which is relatively dirt cheap. Uh, I know she's probably tripled or quadrupled that by now. Um, 
Right. So, which to me, I really don't like lawyers. I find that they're out there, and a lot of the times they're literally stealing money from our children, is the way I see it. Um, so is it a litigation lawyer that you're dealing with with her? Because we, no, she, I, like I learned whole, that there's different types of Yeah, there's of the, law, different right? types of law, and hers, honestly, I'm not 100% sure, mm-hmm. right? Um, she does, I know she does litigation, she does divorce, she does estate, right. a little bit of everything. Because uh, there's a difference between, because we, we actually had my lawyer on and she's a collaborative law okay. um, lawyer. And so that process is very much about collaboration, where yeah. you're working together and all of that. Whereas uh, a litigation lawyer is you intend to go to court and those on um, the majority get messy and are yeah. high conflict and hostile and, and all of that. So that that's why I was curious what kind of yeah, route I'm, you guys were taking. With yeah, well, I, I wanted to do the mediation. That's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. That was my goal. Um, and the main, main, main reason I wanted to do that was because the research shows it's what's best for the kids. And the mediators always put the kids first, right? I find that a lot of lawyers will do what is best for their client, not necessarily what is best for the kids. Um, and, and that's where I have issues, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't care about what's best for me. I care about my kids. That's my number one priority. Yeah, I think I think for the majority of parents, like I know for myself, that's yeah, that was number one going through the process is making yeah. sure that they were they were okay. How have your kids been with the split? Um, they they've been okay. Um, it it was really interesting because for the the first little while that we had separated, um, we didn't talk about it, right? And for the first year and a half, two years. Um, they, they kept asking me when I was coming back. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. And that's something that, that, so ever, ever since the split, I've, I've taken a hard line myself for being as truthful and honest as possible. Um, because I had those tendencies of lying and being dishonest and, and, and things like that. Um, especially when it came to my kids. Right? So, you know, you can only avoid a question for so long. So I, I, uh, I remember talking it over with my counselor and it's just like, you know what? Their mom hasn't talked to them about the divorce. I need to talk to them because I, I, I can't delay this anymore. So my counselor gave me some really good books and, and to sit down and, and read the books with them and, and talk about them. But I think what was very important in doing that um, is, for one, I wanted to make sure that I always told them the absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and for two, to not badmouth their mother. Those are, those are so two important. things that are so important when it comes to the kids. It is to really tell them, one, the absolute truth, and two, is to not badmouth their mother. Um, they took it really hard off the get-go um and i i you know i mentioned to their mom it's just like okay i'm gonna have this conversation with them because they keep asking right every time that they would ask their mom she would always say well daddy needs to figure something out and daddy needs to work that was the initial one was daddy needs to work so i was living at my brother's place and it was like daddy needs to work and then it That's was crazy. Yeah. Wow. And, There's and, like no closure for the kids. Well, yeah. Either, right? I mean, it, there, yeah. it was so hard for the kids and, and, mm-hmm. and, and she would always say things like that, you know, daddy needs to go to work or daddy needs to figure some stuff out or, you know, something like that, which really bothered me because all of a sudden everything was put on. It's all my fault. But was there hope in her mind that you guys were going to get back together? Is that why she maybe would have said that? I don't think so. Oh, I don't. Okay. I don't think so. That's I, different. I don't know if I would have 
Yeah. yeah. I don't uh, know. That's a good question because that mm-hmm. you having said that. Mm. Yeah, because maybe in her mind, like that's the only reason why I can think of why someone would say that is like, oh, this person needs to figure it out or yeah. whatever. So um, going to work. No, I, it's like a temporary back. thing. Yeah, it sounds yeah. very temporary. And, and I think I, and this is just me speculating. Uh, I I think is she she never wanted to take the ownership of telling the kids that that she had kicked me out. Mm. I feel that because that's the situation with me and my ex because right. he's the one who made the decision. Right. But the, our counselor suggested that we present it as mom and dad can't be together anymore. Right. And that was part of my my story that I shared, which right. was like I shared blame for something that I that I, you I didn't felt decide. like you didn't yeah I, I didn't decide to to do and so mm-hmm. that's been something that I've been aware of yeah. you know because obviously the kids knowing the truth about that could affect their relationship with their dad and that's something that I'm very particular about <laughs> because I don't want to affect that yeah right. at all so I can I can kind of kind of see where she's coming from with that but there also needs to be a conversation between the two of you about, yeah, it, it, you know, to be as honest with the kids as you possibly can. As, as we possibly can, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely kind of kind of one of those things where it's, the conversation needs to be had. Um, what was bothering me was it, it wasn't being had, right? And they took it really hard at first. They did. Um, like, my, my when I first sat down with the conversation, I got halfway through that book in my... In my uh, older daughter, she locked herself in her room and and, oh, and just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Right. Uh-uh. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I gave her some space, but I mean, ultimately, I, I was there for them. I answered all of their questions. I did my absolute best to give them uh, as much truth as I could. Yeah. Which is such a delicate balance, it, right? It because is. you don't want to give them too much because mm-hmm. your own emotions and feelings about yeah. it. It's really hard to It's hard to stay sort of almost balanced in those moments oh, and yeah. try to yeah. figure out like, okay, don't say that not too much or oh, is this age appropriate or ooh like and yeah. you just go back and forth and almost like an internal tug of war with yourself. Am I doing the right thing? Is this the right way to go about this? Did I read up on it enough? Did I yeah. talk to my counselor enough? I totally, uh, I get Am I that. representing my ex in a way that is respectful to my children because they are positive. still... Yeah, yeah. It's still their mom or their dad or whatever. Whatever, be, right. right? Mm-hmm. Because the minute you start to cross into, mm-hmm. you know, not speaking kindly about your ex... <laughs> The, the right. kids see that, and that just does not end well. No, it does all. not end well yeah. at all. I, I found that, for me personally, um, being incredibly honest with my kids has been so rewarding. Right? Right. They trust me so much more. They, it's, it's definitely one of those things that is so rewarding to just be honest and be raw. I mean, it's definitely one of those things that it's, uh, you know, my, my, my kids, they tell me sometimes they'll ask why me and their mom are getting a divorce and their mom will say, well, it's cause she'll say something like it's cause daddy didn't follow through on stuff or he couldn't do this or, or whatever. And the reality of it is, is part of that is true, right? I didn't follow through on stuff. I mean, I had undiagnosed ADHD, which is no excuse, but it's still one of those things where one of the symptoms of that is you don't follow through on stuff. You get distracted, you, you, or your anxiety spikes or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you just don't follow through. You, you don't create that other person to be a priority in your life because you've already gotten accustomed to them and you're moving on to whatever else is novel. Um, you know, it's... Or you focus yourself on your work or you try to find something interesting in your work to do or your business or whatever else. But your relationship takes a back burner. And it suffers. And it suffers significantly. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and and you don't talk about it. Right, it, it's 
not talking about it is so toxic. So that must have been kind of a difficult place for you to be in to hear, you know, what they're being told and think, well, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Yeah, but, but it's not just you. It takes two people yes. to get to that point. Like even in my own situation where it came out of the blue and the actual decision was not mine, I still played a part in the relationship getting to where it was. To its breakdown. To yeah. its yes. breakdown, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it, it totally takes two to tango. And, yeah. and I think what I'm hearing from you is, yes, I played my part. So did you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things. And, and, and you know, I, I'm very honest when it comes to even my mental health when it comes to the kids. You know, yeah, some, that's really important I to think be honest. Is, I, I'm very honest. You know, sometimes I have sad days. Sometimes I have this. Um, when it comes to my medication, I tell him, he says, this is my medication. This makes me feel a lot better. It makes me a lot happier or or it helps me focus and it mm-hmm. makes it that I can get things done more. Um, it, it's... Uh, it's kind of one of those things where I'm very honest with them. And, and well, the, the, the medication, when I tell them about my medication, it's more of an excitement thing because it's, it's, um, it, it does make me so much more productive. It does make me so much more focused. It makes it that I can actually really be with the children and not be so anxious about everything else that I need to get done. Yeah. Um, so you taking the medication is helping you be a better dad yeah like yeah. it really is yeah and there's mm-hmm. a lot of shame for people um who take medication like i take medication yes. and i was talking with a friend recently and my friend was nervous to go on medication because of just oh i don't want to i don't need that or i you know all those little things in your head that are going off but it's like your quality of life will be so much better oh, and yeah. i I just don't understand why that judgment is still there around mental health and regulating yourself onto some sort of medication that's going to help. Without my medication, I'm a completely different person. If I'm on my medication and I'm on the right dose and all that good all stuff. That, all that stuff, yeah. Then I am more productive as well. So I can see what you're saying, but it just frustrates me when I still hear people say, oh, well, I don't want anyone to like think I'm... Um, poor me or whatever woe is me if I'm on medication it's like that's not the case you need this to regulate yourself because something in our brains is not working the way it needs to be working unfortunately it's just the way it is and there's a lot of us out there (laughs) so I think you know it's good that we're talking about it because some people that might be listening if you're thinking like oh well like I feel like I'm in that place and I don't know where to start and get help with counseling and talking to my doctor. Like when I first got on medication, the first thing I did was I went to my doctor. I'm like, I'm really not feeling okay. And it was like, well, how long do you think this is going to continue on for? I'm like, I don't know until I die (laughs) (laughs) myself. I don't know. (laughs) And he's like, okay, so we need to get you onto some sort of treatment plan. Yeah. And that's huge. Right? Yeah. I, I also think part of it is also, um, I, I personally think it's difficult to get good help, right? Um, part of me is lucky I've got an excellent counselor. There's a lot of crap counselors out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there, there is. There's a lot of crap counselors out there. But more than that, counselors can't prescribe medication. Yeah. Right? Only your doctor can. Now, your counselor is probably better when it comes to mental health and understanding mental health right. than your doctor does. What's better than that is a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the wait times to get in to see a psychiatrist? Oh my gosh, months, months. It's, it's, I'm it's, in it right well, now to go re-see my psychiatrist right? that I used <laughs> to see and then I stopped seeing her. I'm like, I need to see her again. Yeah. She knows what I need. So I've been on this roller coaster of like trying to find the right medication again. And yeah, it's two months just oh, for a phone easily, call. Easily, easily. Wow. And, and, and the doctors mm-hmm. are even reluctant to give you the referral. Like my doctor said, hey, the medication is working for you. You don't need to go see a psychiatrist. But you have to advocate for yourself. Yes, you do. 100%. You do. But when you're completely depressed down on yourself and you have zero self-worth. 
then you're just like, okay, my doctor must know everything. That's right. So, <laughs> <laughs> but they're just general practitioners. They're they're, just, not, they're yeah. not meant to give you the medication for that kind of stuff. Like they know a little bit, but your psychiatrist knows a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, well, the psychiatrist is really what you really want to try and get to see. But I mean, the wait times on them, there's just not enough of them. Yeah, like there really isn't. So, right. but I I think like the psychologists and the doctors should work a little bit closer together. Totally. Right. Because there's there's a fair amount of psychologists. I mean, they're they're out there. There's yeah. It didn't take me long to get in to see a psychologist. Yeah. Um, when I needed to see one again, um, but yeah, sometimes I think I'm like, it's too bad they can't prescribe medication because let me tell you, yeah. a lot of them they have mental illness and they know they're like, oh, I know it's gonna work for you. Whatever that stuff you're on right now, you need to talk to your doctor. Yeah. Advocate for yourself. It's not working. Yeah. And, and, and my like, and my okay. counselors always told me the same thing. It, it, it's literally you need to talk to your doctor. This is what you need to do. Advocate mm -hmm. for yourself. Push for yourself. Get the best Medicare. But you need to push for it. Yeah. And, and which I think is such a shame because if you're struggling with mental health... That's like the last thing you want to do. That's the last thing you want to do is, is to try to impose your needs onto somebody else. Yeah. Well, it's not even wanting to. It's not feeling capable of yeah. doing it. It's like, like you, you can't you even can't. get up in the morning. <laughs> My gosh, trying to remember. It's like you'd have to write notes yeah. before you talk to your doctor. You won't remember what you want to talk about. That's just it. Because trying to advocate for yourself means that you need to come at it from a position of strength. And when you're dealing with depression, anxiety in those levels, you just don't have extra strength to advocate for yourself. Never mind, just make it through the day. Yeah. 100%. Yeah it's, yeah, it's definitely really, really... And it's, it's interesting, like, I... Because I, I went through some really bad postpartum depression, and one of the things that my doctor asked me about was medication. And, and it's interesting hearing, because the two of you are on medication, and it wasn't... Because I remember going through it. I never went on it, but it was a matter of... I felt like I was weak by accepting it and it and it was it was um, I didn't see it as a tool to help me I saw it as an admittance that I was not strong enough to do this by myself yeah a lot of a lot of people oh yeah that. I, I, I mean I, I've I been totally get it. it I do too yeah, yeah I yeah. totally get it I mean I look at when it even came to my antidepressant I mean the first thing I want to do is get off of my my SSRIs, my antidepressants, mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm I'm being like I've come off of them on my own before, just to have to go right back onto yep. them again. Same. <laughs> I was like, that was a bad idea. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I'm cycling hard right now, and not on a bike. Becky <laughs> knows what cycling means. It's definitely in your head. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it was definitely one of those things. Now, am I going to stay on my antidepressants forever? No, I, I honestly don't think I will. I mean, I think I'll be able to come off of them. But the the ADHD meds, I think that's going to be a, a, a forever thing. A forever thing. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's okay. And that's okay. Um, so it's definitely one of those things where it's, you know, SSRIs are, to my opinion, should not be a lifetime thing. But they are there to help you out until you can get the tools in place to be able to handle the things yourself, mm -hmm. right? And that's with the counseling. That's with the 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 coaching or CBT, or DBT, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, like all the different things, group therapy. Um, I, and I think a lot of those things are super helpful. Um, now that being said, I know on the on the men's side aspect of that, it's very difficult to find. Do you know where you find it as a man? AA meetings. That's so sad. Right? That that's <laughs> like the only resource that we're finding for men. You know, for men, like, yeah. It's for, not okay. It's yeah. really not because a lot of men are dealing with mental health, if not more than women, and it's not spoken about. And if we just have a few more, like resources I think it would be that much easier for men yeah because it's not fair 
No, it's it's really not. I mean, they are starting to pop up, but I mean, the support yeah. for them is is, to my opinion, really low. I mean, there's one group that I I listen to their podcast, and they've got a full setup and everything else, but they're in Medicine Hat. Right. Right. So they've got a space for people to gather and, and things like that. They're called the Inner Man Project, and, and they've got a lot of really excellent resources for men, for mental health. For and they put on workshops for dealing with divorce and separation. They put on workshops for dealing with ADHD. They put on workshops for dealing with depression. Um, but like for men, I mean that's that's in Medicine Hat in Calgary. I mean what do we got uh, around here? I mean I saw one thing that I thought was mind blowing was shelters for men are almost non-existent. They it needs to change. That needs to change. I mean, I think I, I read up somewhere. I mean, don't quote me on this, but in all of the states, there are thousands and thousands of women's shelters, and there's like two men's shelters in all of the states. A- and abuse on men exists. Oh, yeah. It's different. Yeah, it it's it, different. Yeah. But it does exist. Yeah. Right? It absolutely does, and I think that's that's also something that's not talked about because you don't think of women as being the aggressors with with something like that. Right. But I I wonder if abuse of men by women is more emotional, yes, than physical. Generally, there Gen- some, generally, there are some situations where you know it is it is physical, but it it kind of feeds into that societal mentality of well. You're a man, so just suck it up, and you know you're you're not being that term. Yeah, you're (laughs) not being abused. You're not. Yeah, well, I mean, and I've seen it also happen. Like I, I still remember this this one situation. I was over visiting uh, a neighbor of mine, and him and his girlfriend. They used to fight like crazy all the time, and they had a young baby. She'd have the baby in her arms, and she would be throwing things at him like nonstop. What's he supposed to do? And he's just like, can we just talk about this? Can you just put the baby down? Can we just whatever, anything? He was more concerned about the child. Um, But she, like she had, we had a a stack of poker chips that I had lent him and she had grabbed that and hucked it at him. And and it was probably 20, 25 pounds and and it just missed him. And, uh, but sometimes he, you know, I'd see him, he'd have a black eye and, and things like that, but he, he's a big dude, but he wasn't able to do anything. The minute he laid a hand on her... Yeah. Right? Yeah. And which which yeah. is not a good response anyways, but how, no. like, how do you handle How do you handle like somebody that, that is like yeah. literally physically abusive to you? You are the stronger physical being, but you can't touch them. Yeah, or if you say something that they are physically abusing me, you're not believed because yeah. of the fact that you are a larger guy and you have a, a smaller wife. Yeah, like his his girlfriend, I mean, she was tiny. She was a very petite kind of woman, and he was probably 220, 240 pounds, solid, goes to the gym regularly. He never laid a hand on her. Mm-hmm. But he had bruises and black eyes and everything else. Like, it it still blows my mind that in, like, this day and age, there's still not recognition of, like, it's not, it's not just women who need help after splits, separations, abusive situations. It's guys, too. And, um, that's, that's one thing we've talked about with a few of the other single dads we've had on, on the podcast thus far, um, is resources for, for men. And there's really not a lot out there. So it sounds like you've done a bit of looking. I I have. Well, I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of research on it. Um, but also just seeing some of the, I mean, I looked at, uh, the documentary, the, the red pill, which was a really good one. And it was all about, um, um, men equalize equalizing the rights equal rights for men yeah um because a lot of people they think oh well you're male you have the advantage already for everything i mean like i'm a white male i mean societally speaking i mean i should be at the top of the echelon but you know 
I could be abused and be literally tossed out. I mean, what's the homelessness population? They're predominantly white male. You know, why? Because they got nowhere to go. Right? I mean, and I don't want to be taking anything away from, from the women's shelters or anything like that. I mean, I think there's definitely is that need. I mean, I, I mean, what boils up in the back of my mind is um, the the Jessica Martell Foundation, mm-hmm. now, uh, which is out in Mournville. And, and Jessica Martell used to be my waitress. I, I still remember her. She, she'd bring me coffee. She was always very cheerful. Um, but she was in a very abusive relationship and, and she was murdered by her husband. And, uh, and, and that's awful. She needed a place to go, but she didn't have a shelter in place. So it, it's, it's very difficult, I think, for both sexes. Um, it, it's, uh, it's very, very hard for people. And, and it, it's also very difficult, I think, for law enforcement to do some things about some of these things. I mean... Yeah, well, especially if there's nothing, if, if it's like a possibility of something yeah. happening, unless something actually happens, it's not like they're, they're able to come in and do something. I wonder if there needs to be changes in that, in that space to give more leeway for situations like this in more of a preventative way. It, yeah, in a preventative way, because mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the times when it comes to law enforcement, their hands are tied, yeah. right? Unless you right. give me some actual physical force, which is why mental abuse is so difficult to prove, right? How do you prove mental abuse? Yeah, there's Record no... it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. okay, but by that point, you're so beat down, you're so depressed, and you believe what they're telling you. Right. See, that's what happened... Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't suffer a great deal of mental abuse, but that's what happened to me, is I believed absolutely everything she said to me everything I mean she could have told me that I was the biggest piece of shit on the planet and I would have believed it I mean that was one of my biggest growing things was understanding that everything that comes out of her mouth uh, isn't true right so some of it is but you have some to, of it but is you but you have to process your, it yeah, you right have to go through your own thought process you got to go through your own thought process and, yeah. and you got to also understand that it's like you know what no i i'm actually really good at this and i'm really good at this and you know there's certain things that i i know i'm really good at you know or i disagree with what you're saying yeah and i am confident in my disagreement and here's why and, yeah yeah um you know there there are certain things that like i know i'm extremely kind i mean i'm extremely loving with it comes to my kids um I, I would never wish harm upon anybody. I mean, that is definitely something that is huge for me. Is, is I, I don't want to hurt people. It's not in my nature. Right? But I never think about those things. You know? Well, it's so easy for us to pick out what's wrong with ourselves. Yeah. Right? And, and once you hear it from other people, it's like it confirms it in your head. It's like, well, yeah. I kind of was thinking this and now hearing it from someone else, it just confirms it in my mind and then you kind of... And that yeah. negative self-talk and, starts yeah. and then it just leads so. you down Spirals a dark, and, dark tunnel <laughs> of hell. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's often what would happen is, mm-hmm. you know, you get that negative self-talk where, you know, you start to feel weak. Like, that was a big one for me is because I'm so non-confrontational, um, that must mean I'm weak, mm-hmm. right? I'm weak. I'm, I'm not capable of doing things. I'm, I'm not able to stand up for myself. Which tends to be like, when you think of a relationship, generally you think of like the guy being the leader in a sense. Yeah. You know, kind of leading it. Not all the time. Not all the time, I, but I, I mean, I, I, I think it's like an equal thing. You have to lead the relationship together. But I know, I know for me, like you want like kind of a not a traditional man woman roles where it's like the guy is a leader and the woman is a follower like that. No, that, okay. When no. when I think about men leading in a relationship, I think they lead um, they lead discussions. 
and they make decisions, but they make decisions with open discussions about what needs to be done, right? And to make sure that everybody feels heard and respected. And protected. And protected. Um, I think that is what leadership is, right? Leadership is making sure that everybody, you know, they, they feel heard, they feel protected, they feel like if they're included in the decision-making. And then that way, it's also a lot easier for a man in that relationship to make those decisions, right? Even if it's... And to be able to listen as well, right? I think a man that leads is, is has to listen to the opinions and inputs of his wife and, you know, even his kids or, or whatever. He needs to be able to listen to all of that to be able to actually do what is best for the family, right? And maybe at some point recognize I am not the best one to lead in this area yeah. and recognize the strengths in his partner and be like, you know what? I need you to take this. Yeah. And it's, and that's the kind of like healthy dynamic you want in a relationship where it's like, you know, yeah, I'm really not good at doing this. Yeah. I mean, and, and there are certain, take, definitely some certain things that are just right? like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to pass on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely kind of one of those things. But I think when it comes to a partnership, I mean, it definitely needs to be a partnership, right? Where you both people communicate all the time. I found, so um, after I had split, I, I dated this one girl for about eight months. And it was an absolutely beautiful and rewarding relationship. And the main thing that I had in that relationship was she allowed me a safe place to grow, right? And her communication was right on point. Like, I mean, when we would drive down to like BAM for a, a weekend trip or something like that, we didn't listen to the radio. We tried listening to a podcast. Okay, so we'd listen to the podcast, we get to a point, we pause it, we talk about it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, and then kind of force ourselves to get back to the podcast because we could just talk all the time, but it felt really natural and it felt really beautiful and we had a really great connection and I am so grateful for that relationship, right? Um, because we had almost this kind of a partnership. Was that your first healthy relationship in your entire life? Um, that is a loaded question. You're pretty close to it. Yeah. And I don't think that's, it's not a bad thing. No. I think I've had so many unhealthy relationships. Um, and partly because I didn't do the work on myself first. But when you get to a point, you're like, wow, like, when you sort of look back, you're like, hmm, okay, yeah, maybe I haven't had the most healthy relationships. But it's funny, as we get older, we really start to have a lot more self-awareness of, oh, okay. I need to do this in a relationship. Yes. Oh, there's communication. What's this? Yeah. How exciting. <laughs> what a novel concept. <laughs> right? Right. But, and and yeah. the communication was absolutely excellent. And it flowed into everything. Mm -hmm. Right? It, it flowed into, um, you know, how we plan things. Uh, it flowed into our sex life. I mean, that was probably my best sexual relationship I've ever had. Um, because we communicated so much about everything. We, we didn't, you know, bury sex in the back corner where it was just like, you just don't talk about it and, and you know, we'll just kind of figure it out without saying any words. And, and it's like, well, no, you got to talk about it, right? Totally. You got to talk about it, what it is that you like, what it is that the other like. If you're off, I mean, it, it's, you know, I had a slight issue when it came to the antidepressants where it doesn't make it that I perform quite as well and and you have to have that open conversation about it mm -hmm. right um and 
if you're able to do that, it makes things so much more understanding, but it also makes for really, really, really great sex. <laughs> True. True that. <laughs> so it sounds like it was a really good relationship. It was. But now I'm like, okay, what happened? What happened? <laughs> well, what happened? Um, it, I'm going to say a lot of it. I'm going to say it was all me. Um, I'm, I'm going to take total responsibility for the failure of the relationship because it boils back down to that lack of follow through. Right. I was not making the time that she needed. Right. Right. Um, and, and it was that lack of follow through and not, and I'm going to go back to leading here and not taking charge and taking lead on things like a date night or, or, you know, initiating, um, whether it be dirty talk or, you know, things like that. Um, that's what happened, right? It, it was a really healthy relationship um but on my part i wasn't able to do those things right which she needed right that makes sense i mean as a woman yeah there are certain things that we need and time is definitely one of those things um but i was yeah i was curious i was like okay it sounds really good what happened (laughs) (laughs) my nosy natured self needed to know well that's that's a skill you need running a podcast my love (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it's a bit of the portuguese in me i'm like oh i need to know more (laughs) (laughs) but no like it's a valid question so it and it it's a good point that even though a relationship is healthy, it's not necessarily going to last forever. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships are work. Yes, they are. They are. They are. Relationships are work. And if you're not willing to put in work, I mean, it's not going to continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah, it was definitely like it, it and it was, it was, and we're still friends. Yeah. Uh, which is good. Right. That's probably the best situation you could have coming out of that. It sounds, it sounds like it was mutual decision with the two of you. Uh, I wouldn't say mutual, but I, I oh. got over it. <laughs> I stand correct. <laughs> <laughs> I got over it. Um, um, but I mean, I understood because we had that communication. Right. She was very clear as to what it is that she needed, and I didn't follow through on it. She was extremely clear. This is what I need from you. And I totally dropped the ball. Fair. I don't want to say, (laughs) 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 but no, but I mean, it's not every time. It's not every time. There are some women who are terrible at following through. Oh, I'm awful at following through. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I need to do the dishes. Maybe later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) But it's, it's, it's an interesting idea. Like it's not a generalization of well this is totally men do this or women do that yeah, it's right. totally a personality thing yes right so it's yeah yeah but I, I, I just find it find it interesting like your your evolution so to speak of kind of yeah. where where you started with with your relationships to how to how you are now and what what's the what's the biggest thing or the one or two important things that you've learned about yourself and how you are in a relationship and and maybe outside of a relationship as well um another loaded question i like it oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. well see like i needed to have mine too (laughs) (laughs) um the, the the biggest thing i i really had to learn was really to take responsibility for my own actions for one in relationships um, and, and not playing that victim card and not uh, blaming the other person for everything. Um, you know, as much as you want the other person to take ownership of their part, right? Um, and, and I think about that all the time when it comes to, like, my, my ex-wife. Um, I'm still waiting for her to take responsibility for her part in the failure of the marriage. Um, and, and I actually talked about this with my now ex-girlfriend when we were still together and she told me, she says, she never will. <laughs> don't, don't wait for it. Don't beat yourself up for it. But I know for me personally, it is taking responsibility for my own actions, 
for my own uh, emotions, for my own um, faults, but also my own um, gifts, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's also very important. I mean, I'm good at a lot of stuff. And I got to take ownership of that lot of stuff, right? It, it's, and I think a lot of us, they, we leave that kind of on the back burner. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing that I needed to work on. And then also in, in leading, you know, as a man and, and, and leading in relationships and taking lead and not just leaving it to my partner to just plan everything and take care of everything and, and doing all of that. I think it's super important that I actually lead and play an active role uh, in the relationship. Because, I mean, I, I look at, at the, the girlfriend that I had. She planned pretty much all of her dates, right? Which was not healthy. I mean, that was one of the things that I, I knew already that I had to start doing more. But it also takes a lot of practice. I hadn't done it for... 37 years I've never taken that initial role to really lead other than in the first couple of months in a relationship when you're putting forward your when you're putting self. in yeah your best self and everything else that's about the only time I have ever really put it all in there and and which is great you know it's kind of one of those you catch them on and then <laughs> but you have to actually keep them there. Keep them there. <laughs> right? It's like when you catch a fish and the fish escapes. <laughs> yes. It's like, no. <laughs> because you never reel them in. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Terrible analogy. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, geez, like you need to take that poor fish out for a date and cuddle that thing <laughs> to keep it. <laughs> yeah. So, so with that, though, like, what do you what do you want people to take away from your story and kind of what what we've been talking about, like the mental health and and things like that? And you can make it specific to men, or just in general. Well, I, I think the biggest takeaway I I'm gonna put in there is, um, don't do it alone. Like, really, that's a big one. Get help. Counseling is, in my opinion dirt cheap for what you get right and a lot of people they go oh, I can't afford it or this or that and it's just like do you know what a lot of counselors are very willing to accommodate your financial situation mm -hmm. get it and ask your doctor and, for those resources yeah and, they can and, get it for free yeah or it's ask there. Your, yeah <laughs> ask your doctor there are free resources I mean I pay for my counseling but I, I really like my counselor too um, but even for her I mean she goes oh you don't have benefits so she gives me a flexible rate uh, they, they all have these sliding rates that they use according to the different customers right um, so don't let finances be your limitation but get counseling I think everybody needs it absolutely everybody I think it is beneficial to just have that person to talk to. Um, whether you think you need it or you don't, you need it. So just go just get it done. Do, do it. it. Just do it. Just do it. Straight off the Nike. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was like, <laughs> please don't sue us. <laughs> right? Uh, um, but, you know, and, and don't be afraid to ask for the help. Right? There are boatloads of resources out there. There, there are free phone lines. There are um, all kinds of different resources out there. And I think that, and I'm just saying as a general rule here, and when it comes to men, um, talk about it. You're not alone. I think that's the biggest thing I've realized when I started talking about it with my guys at work and, and stuff like that is you're not alone. Right? You know, anxiety and depression run so rampant in men um, that it, it really is insane on how many people struggle with it. I mean, I've come across some guys that were very similar to me. I mean, I met one guy, he had undiagnosed ADHD until he was 40. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately for him, he can't actually be medicated for it. 
due to another medical condition. Oh man, that's frustrating. So like he, he was put on the same medication as I was and then he had to stop taking it due to a heart condition. Mm. Wow. Um, I feel for him because I know what this medication does. He told me right out of the gate, the same thing as what I felt. He's just like, this stuff was life-saving, but he can't take it. Wow. Oh, that's so frustrating to know what the issue is and you know what's going to help you, but you can't. You can't take it. Oh, man. Right. Especially with ADHD because they're stimulants. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. This particular case, he had a heart attack. Right. So essentially, like what I take is a, is a fairly, well, I think it's a strong stimulant. Everybody else says, well, you're on a low dose, but I think it works fantastic even just on the low dose. Um, but it is a stimulant. It is like, you know, taking two rock stars first thing in the morning and having a slow drip of it throughout the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Sounds is good. such an amazing image in my head. <laughs> right? It, it's, it really is. It's that kickstart. <laughs> You know, and, and you feel like you can accomplish anything, like you could take on the world. Um, but imagine knowing that that's what it feels like. I feel for him. Like, I really, really do. Um, but I also think when it comes to, you know, marriages and everything else, when things are good, go see a counselor. Go see an individual counselor. Go, like, just go like literally talk to somebody talk to somebody that is open about just listening to you somebody that you trust um you know there are people out there i mean i would listen to just about anybody about this stuff and and i can give my two cents about it um i feel for people i mean it, it's it's something i'm passionate about is, which is which is good. It's like yeah. it's we need more men to be open about this and talk about it. And maybe in addition to you know asking for help, is that it's okay to ask for help. It's not yeah. a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of you know you're not a man if you ask for help. It actually, in my opinion, I'm not sure if Christina feels the same mm-hmm. way, but it it it's actually more attractive and you're more of a man when you can ask for help right because it it shows that you have the the humility to recognize when you can't do it by yourself yeah 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 definitely i mean i just want to say thank you for being so vulnerable today and sharing your story there's been bits and pieces of you talking today and it made me emotional because i was like i've been there i know what you're (laughs) feeling and it like your heartstrings are just like i just wanted to reach over and give you the biggest hug (laughs) and i was like ah but i i appreciate you and you are really interesting (laughs) there's no other words to describe you you're just really interesting to me so thank you for sharing your well your story and and i appreciated that you wanted to focus specifically on mental health yes generally up until now when we've had people on to tell their stories Mm -hmm. it's been about their experience of going through the separation and divorce but i really appreciated how you wanted to focus specifically on mental health and I love that that was the majority of our conversation yeah. today because it's you know not just for men but for women too to you know recognize this is a thing that's very prevalent like you said in our in our society today for both mm-hmm. men and women and to you know recognize those signs when you are not okay that yeah ask for help make sure that you know you talk to somebody mm-hmm. and and hopefully we can get a few more resources for men out there too yes you know to make it more accessible and to you know make this this stigma disappear that you have to suck it up because you don't please don't <laughs> yeah no it was even on my way here this morning i had a rough night last night with my mental health and i was like i don't know if i can do this right now but as we have this conversation today for me it helped. It yes. helped to just talk. And it made me feel like, hey, you know what? I'm not alone in this. We have struggled. Many people have struggled. And it was it's a good feeling because, yeah, I was just having a rough night. And I was just like, oh, I just switched medication. So I was like, how am I going to feel today? But 
pretty good. Not too bad. <laughs> it's always, you get worrisome when you're swapping to something new and I'm not ashamed to say that, but yeah. Well, it, it, it makes me think when you talk about it is, is that feeling of when you go see your counselor and you have a really, really deep but rough session mm -hmm. and, and, but you come out of it and it's just like your this weight's lifted. Right? Totally. And, and it's a rough session, you know, if you're like bawling your ass off and, yes. and everything else. <laughs> I and, had and, one of those you recently. Know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have, you know, these really, really deep sessions and then you come out of it and it's just like, oh, that's better. <laughs> right? And, and, I, and I think that's the, the biggest thing I've come out of it about talking about it. I think it's super important to talk about mental health because I get that every single time I talk about it. Every single time that I open up and say my story to somebody or, or whatever else. And it's amazing whenever I say it and I come across somebody else and it's just like, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. um, it's a movement. It, it is. It, it is. really is. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, my, my biggest key point here is you're not alone. Get counseling. That's a big one. And, uh, and there's help out there. Go get it. And just do it. And just do it. You can find more great episodes featuring helpful information and amazing stories by searching Single Parent Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or visit www.lifesongfilms.com and click podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, we're, we're all, all in this together. together.